Welcome to the Never-Ending Faith Podcast, the podcast that shines a light on the extraordinary journeys of individuals who have triumphed over adversity and emerged stronger than ever. Whether you are battling addiction, rebuilding your life after prison, or simply seeking inspiration to overcome poor decisions, this podcast is your beacon of hope. Join us on a transformative journey filled with uplifting stories, authentic conversations, and practical insights. Our show is a sanctuary for those seeking real answers where faith, resilience, and unwavering determination take center stage. Each episode will feature devotionals, inspiring stories, or guests who have walked the path of redemption sharing their personal tales of triumph and transformation. Our positive and upbeat discussions will empower you to overcome obstacles, find renewed purpose, and discover the endless well of faith within yourself. So tune in to the NeverEnding Faith Podcast and be part of a community dedicated to healing, growth, and the unwavering belief that it is never too late to rewrite your story. Subscribe now and let us guide you on your journey to a brighter future. This week's podcast devotional, Unwavering Faith, Trusting God's Promises. Hebrews 11.1 Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. In the tapestry of our lives, faith is the thread that weaves through every circumstance, holding us together even when the world around us seems to unravel. Hebrews 11.1 beautifully defines faith as the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It is this unwavering faith that we will explore today, drawing inspiration from the lives of faithful men and women in the Bible. Faith is not a blind leap into the unknown, but a confident assurance in God's promises. Just as a builder trusts strong foundation to support a towering structure, we trust God's unchanging character as the foundation of our faith. God's faithfulness in the past becomes the basis for our faith in the present and the future. Abraham, known as the father of faith, provides powerful example of unwavering faith. Despite his old age and the apparent impossibility of having a child, Abraham believed God's promise that he would be the father of many nations. His faith was unwavering because it anchored in God's faithfulness. As a result, God fulfilled his promise and Isaac was born. In Matthew 14:22 through 33, we find the account of Peter walking on water. Peter's faith allowed him to step out of the boat and onto the stormy sea, but his doubt caused him to begin sinking. Even in his wavering faith, he cried out to Jesus, who immediately reached out his hand. This story reminds us that even when our faith wavers, Jesus is always there to rescue us. In Matthew 15:21 through 28, we encounter a Canaanite woman who approached Jesus with a request to heal her demon-possessed daughter. Although Jesus initially seemed to ignore her, she persisted in her plea. Her faith was unwavering, believing that even the crumbs of God's mercy were enough to change her daughter's life. Jesus commended her for her great faith and granted her request. Just as Abraham, Peter, and the Canaanite woman displayed unwavering faith, we are called to trust in God's promises even when the circumstances seem impossible. Our faith grows as we spend time in His Word, 
meditate, meditate on His promises, and deepen our relationship with Him through prayer. In times of doubt, let us remember that Jesus is always near, ready to strengthen our faith and lift us up. Today we are in Alexandria, Indiana on a beautiful Saturday morning at the Cornerstone Community Church at their second annual Hogroast. I'm delighted to have a guest with me this morning, Mr. Randy Murphy. Good morning, Randy. Tell us a little bit about you and your journey. What brought you to the church? And then let's talk about the Hogroast. Well, this is absolutely, uh, it's been an incredible journey uh, to come to the church in the very first place. I, I myself was uh, raised here in, in Alexandria, and, uh, but I left at age uh, 19 to join the service. I was actually drafted and spent two years there and then spent the, uh, most of my years in, in Anderson. And then uh, when I had an encounter with the Lord Jesus, I was not churched, didn't know anything about church. I didn't know denominations, non-denominations. I thought all churches was the same. I thought they were all about good people, doing good things. And I was raised by a single dad, me and my brother, and uh, here in Ellick. And we were notorious, uh, so to speak, that we, uh, we didn't have many boundaries. We... Uh, there wasn't any taboos, and uh, when I was in the service, they, they didn't call me Good Time Murph for nothing, because all I knew was a good time, and, and sin is fun, but it has consequences, but uh, if that's the only life that you knew, that's what you did. We, we drugged it up, we drank all the, all the alcohol from a very, very, very young age, and uh, did all the the pot and the speed and all those things, but that's what we did. And we we liked to fight. We liked the women, and uh, so all that. I don't say any of that braggadociously. I just say that that was the way of life. And uh, so when I got out of service, I worked with my dad, and he was special. And I was married, and. Uh, he worked the uh, third shift, and I worked day shift at General Motors. And, and I was clocked into work one day, and and the foreman said, uh, "Hey, you need to go outside. Your wife's waiting on you." I said, "Okay." And it was December the seventh, uh, nineteen seventy-three, and so. I started on my way outside, and the foreman said, "Well, take your coat." I said, "I won't need my coat. I'll be right back in," and so. Uh, he said, no, take your coat anyway. So, well, all right. And I grabbed my coat and I walk outside. And it's probably about 7.30 a.m. And, and my wife's standing there. She's crying. And she says, uh, honey, your dad died. And I, I cursed the Lord. And I, I, I couldn't believe it. And I, and, and I didn't. And so anyway, it was a very difficult time, but throughout that difficult time, when I sat there and I held my dad's hand in the casket and wishing anything, and I could bring him back, and, uh, and I couldn't, and people were saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and that was nice, but I couldn't bring my dad back. I had a burning question on my heart, why my dad had to die. And uh, 
I thought about church, and I thought, well, that's fancy brick buildings and people suit and ties, and I didn't have a suit and tie and people being holy, and I knew I was no good. And uh, I thought, well, I read the Bible, but I know that's about a bunch of holy people. And again, I alienated myself and didn't know who to talk to. And the union hall sent me a Bible, and during the, the night under... The Lord was so good. He allowed me to read the Bible and and uh, I would be intoxicated or I'd be on smoke or whatever. And I'm not I'm ashamed of all those things, but God was doing a work in me and I didn't know it. I started reading the Bible and I said, Boy, these people aren't so good. As a matter of fact, a lot of them are worse than me. And so that enabled me to to keep reading. And as I was as I was reading, I went I read about one man who went about doing good, loved everybody, never hurt anyone, nice and kind and loving, and and they hung him on the cross. And I I understood being punished for being bad, but I didn't understand why they'd have to kill him. And I and so that I. That, I, I couldn't process that. I, it didn't make any sense to me. But I felt bad that they killed him. But I kept reading because I was trying to find out why my dad had to die. And, and as I was reading, all along, then I come to the verse in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, and it said these words, It is once appointed unto man to die. And I said, That's it. Dad had to die. And I looked at it, I said, and I'm going to have to die. And then the next part of that verse, just as I swallowed right now, I remember it was the same way. And it said, it was once appointed unto man to die, and after this the judgment. Before that, I said, you know, I'm a good person. All my good outweigh the bad, and they'll let me into heaven. No one in this town thought that, but I thought that. And, uh, but it said after this, the judgment, and I swallowed real deep. I said, I'm in trouble. I'm in deep trouble. I knew I was in trouble. I knew my sin put Christ on the cross. And uh, I don't know how to make a... That was over a period of three years that the Lord was tolerant of me and my behaviors. And I uh, was working at the factory and had a person as close from me as what you are to me. And I heard this voice. He said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'd been out all night, hung over. And I heard that voice. And I answered. No one else could hear it. But I heard it on the inside. The Bible says His Spirit will bear witness with your spirit. And I said, Lord, I need rest. And then I heard these words. But if you don't, Randy, I will love you just the same. My heart was broke. And uh, I said, I'm coming to you, Lord. I don't have nothing to offer. I'm spiritually bankrupt. Not a good thing about me. I repented my whole life. I didn't repent of just a little bit. I repented my whole life. My drugging, my chasing, 
my partying, my doing what I wanted to do. It was, O oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? I wrestle with the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do are the very things I do. O oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? Well, I repented of my sins. I knew God loved me, told me he did, even in, at my worst state. And uh, when I asked him to come in to my life to save me, he forgave me my sins. He blotted them out. He remembered it no more. And the Bible says, happy is, is a man whose sins are forgiven. I was happy. And, and I didn't know it at the time. But it was true that... Uh, if if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so uh, ha, I was born from above. And so that started my journey. And and in uh, from 1976 until uh, 2003, my wife told me, says, honey, you're supposed to preach the gospel. And I retired from General Motors. I said, it's a long time ago. I don't know why you're bringing that up. I'd backslid, not didn't do right. Had come back to the Lord. And I was happy just if I could just sit in the back, that'd be fine. And uh, I said, no, you're supposed to preach the gospel. And I was so upset. Didn't know what I was going to do. And so after hearing that, I, I prayed. I said, Lord, you want me to preach the gospel? I said, that's fine. But no man, no, no one will want someone that had never been to seminary. And, and I hadn't been to seminary. There no church wants someone like that. And, and then I said, and besides that, I'm a divorced man. I started weeping. And then I heard the Lord speak, not out loud, but in my spirit. And he says, that's not who you are. You're my son. That's who you are. And so, stop my weeping, and I, I said, okay, Lord, you want me to preach? Fine, then you have to find the church. Amen. I said, I'm done. I'm clear. It's over. That's good. I answered, and now I don't have to worry about it. I'll go back to doing what, I, what I've been doing. And, uh, and it was two weeks later, there was a church outside of Alexandria looking for a man who would preach the gospel, not one who's called by man, but one who's called by God. So I said, okay, I'll call them. I'll give them my glorious uh, old resume. And so I called this elder and I said, well, my, I hear you're looking for a, a, a preacher. Yeah. I said, well, if you're looking for one that's been to seminary and all he's ever known is serving God and doing good, I'm not that man. But if you're looking for one who, who got saved and, and give his heart to Jesus, and, uh, and so, but, but has sinned, but knows what the grace of God is, I'm that man. And so, two weeks after that, we got a call to be interviewed by, by Cornerstone Community Church and, and as a non-denominational church. And like I said, that I thought all churches was the, was the same. And, but when I got saved, the church didn't save me. 
but the Word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, from the Bible, Him speaking to me, I give my heart to Him, and I always honor the Scriptures above different churches, denominational or non-denominational understanding. We let God be true in every man a liar, so we honor God's holy word, the Bible, and so we stepped in there, and all I know is teaching the word of God chapter by chapter and verse by verse. That's more than enough. What a fantastic story, Randy. The story of of your life, first off, the story of where you kind of hit rock bottom, you know, through your dad's passing, you know, the central voice in your life for all those years, that's you know, true. the story of your redemption coming out of that passing and that pain leading you here. I mean, most people that would listen to this podcast or think anything about even the title of the podcast, Never Ending Faith, believe the way you do or did that, you know, church folks are churchy and they're preachy and they've lived their holy lives. And, and there's a completely different movement of folks like you and me and Pastor Marcus, my friend who's here with me today, and all the folks that are involved in today's event and, and all the folks that are involved with the Madison County Sheriff's Office Chaplaincy Program that have come from a completely different background. You know, we have architects, we have law enforcement officers, we have world-class runners and Marcus Dennis. We have folks like you that came from what you thought were nothing. I mean, you were a factory worker and, you know, That's you did true. what you wanted. And now you're preaching basically living a good life, loving people in a non-judgmental church in an environment, and look at what you've done and where we've come from from when you got here. Um, What I'm leading towards is is the fact that you're in your second year now of this hog roast. Can you tell us a little bit about the inspiration to start that event and then where we are today? Well, the... The whole idea of the Hall Grost uh, has, has been to gather as many people together as what we possibly can at no cost to anybody that, that the church itself would, would take on the, the financial responsibility. And when I say the church, actually, the, it's the people. It, it's not the building, but it's the people that are the true church and the givers of the Lord. And our, our whole idea was to gather as many people together as what we can, and then to present the gospel in its simplicity, that Jesus Christ loves everybody, and that it is the power, that I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. And I know that there are people that are sitting in places of, of worship which have never, ever uh, had an encounter with the Lord Jesus. And so when we bring people together for the hall gross, we're looking for them to have a, have a divine encounter meeting with the Lord Jesus himself for a life-changing event that they'll remember for all the days of their life and make a difference for all eternity. We'll feed them this day. The physical food, but we're going to give them the reason why that we are actually here today, and it's to be a blessing to the community and to present the gospel in its simplicity. And if there's people that are sick, that are hurting on the inside, 
a loss of a mate, a physical uh, struggle, cancer, sickness, disease, we present the gospel of the Lord Jesus, which is the power to save in Jesus' name. That's why we're doing it. I see that you've also uh, partnered with uh, Pete's Pantry Food Bank, the Right to Life, and the Alexandria Library. How did those partnerships, uh, did you approach them, or did they figure out what was going on and wanted to be part of this event? Our uh, elder, Mike Almack, who is also a, a chaplain of, of Madison County Department, uh, I tell you, I can't say enough about him and his wife, Cheryl, that they are a team. And as a pastor, I'm not an event planner. I'm not an organizer. Those are not my gifting. We would not be doing this today if it, if it was left up to me to organize an event planner. Michael Almack and his team that he has put together contacted Pete's Pantry, the library, the sheriff's department, the advertisement. They have done uh, tremendous work. And the best thing a pastor can do is get out of the way of those people that are gifted in those areas because they know how to get things done. They go from A straight to Z. They, they don't get distracted. They stay focused. And I, and I have to mention uh, David Mullins and, and, uh, and Stephen Cassane that was out there uh, roasting the hogs late at night and uh, throughout the night and early morning so that we could have that today. So uh, I give credit where credit is due. And, uh, and so anyway, we are surrounded by great people. We have over 45 uh, volunteers from Cornerstone Community Church, and we're doing it as an event as to the Lord. And so uh, we're, we're just, we're, we're real blessed people. And it's going to be a great time. Would you like to leave us with uh, a message or a devotion as we uh, as we wrap up this portion of the interview? Yes, and so uh, I appreciate that last question, and I'd like to uh, quote from John three sixteen and seventeen, and it says these words: "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe on Him." would not perish, but have everlasting life. And the verse 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save that which was lost. And so the message today are those two verses, and I would like to end it with this, that he that has the Son has life. He that hath not the Son hath not life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the beginning of knowledge. It's no secret. We've all sinned and fell short of the glory of God, but God would not leave us in that state of lostness. He provided our way of escape, the way, the truth, and the life, and his name is Jesus, and he loves you. That's it, sir. Amen, brother. Thank you very much for your hospitality. Thanks for inviting us up here to be part of this calling and part of this event today. You are fantastic. We wish you continued success. We're looking forward to interviewing uh, Mike and a couple other people. My understanding is that we even got the sheriff, uh, John Beeman, to show up today. So we're looking forward to seeing him as well. Oh, thank we you are so excited. Thank you, brother.
Here's our prayer to close out this podcast. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of unwavering faith that allows us to trust in your promises even when we cannot see the way ahead. Help us, Lord, to anchor our faith in your unchanging character and to walk confidently in your plan for our lives. Strengthen our faith that we may be persistent in prayer and unwavering in our trust to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week. This program has been sponsored by the Madison County Sheriff's Office Chaplaincy Program as part of their Chaplain Chats program. Senior Chaplain Vaughn Walker. If you'd like to reach out to them, you can contact them at P.O. Box 171, Anderson, Indiana, 46017. Their office telephone number is 765-646-4076. If you'd like additional resources or you're just one of those people that likes to read additional things, please contact us at www.never-ending-faith.com. That's www.neverendingface.com.